Okay, I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Psalm 1. We've been going through this sermon series where we've, um, <clears throat> we've preached through the text that we gave to those who made profession of faith a while ago. And this morning is Malcolm Caterberg's text. I'm going to look at Psalm 1. <clears throat> With God's word open before us, let's pray. God, again, we thank you so much that you have given us your word. And these words are so unlike any other words that we read or we hear on a day-to-day basis. Because these are words give us life. So, Lord, we pray this morning earnestly. Give us life through them. May these words nourish us, challenge us, and correct us so that we can follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 1. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, a number of years ago, a movie came out called The Pursuit of Happiness. This is a movie that follows the real-life story of Chris Gardner, a guy who many people would say is a man who's just down on his luck. He invested his uh, life savings in this surefire investment, only to find out that it wasn't such a surefire thing after all. And, uh, of course, that's when things go terribly wrong for Chris. His entire life savings are basically fr- flushed down the toilet in, uh, well, overnight. So that he uh, gets kicked out of his apartment because he can't afford to pay rent. His wife leaves him when life gets hard. He barely has anything, just the shirt on his back and his young son. 
which of course makes life even harder because now not only does he have to look after himself, but he has to look after his son too. Given the circumstances, you might almost expect Chris Gardner just to kind of pack it in and give up. Maybe drop his boy off at an orphanage and resign himself to a life lived in poverty. But what makes this story so remarkable is that nothing of the sort happens here. This is a story of a man who kind of picks himself up by his bootstraps and um, almost against insurmountable odds makes a success of himself. It's a story of the American dream, where it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, so long as you are ready to work your tail off, you can be just as happy and successful as the next person. Some of you probably know that the title of the story comes from the American Constitution. It says that we have the right to pursue happiness. And in this movie, that's exactly what Chris Gardner does. He pursues happiness. Yet as touching as the movie is, um, I wonder if even just the title of the movie itself doesn't convey this notion that real happiness is only ever found by him when he finally makes it. You know, once he gets the great job and once he starts making the big bucks, that's when he finally gets his taste of happiness. And up until that moment, he was only ever in the pursuit of it. That's why I mentioned the movie this morning. Because sure, Chris Gardner's story is a really remarkable story. But in a sense, it's the story of so many people. Because sure, you know, they might not be facing extreme poverty like him. But they're chasing the same thing he was chasing. They're chasing happiness. And they want to believe that they can get it just like he did. See, truthfully, for so many people, happiness seems within arm's reach. But it's not theirs, not quite yet. Some have convinced themselves that happiness is only going to be theirs when they get that promotion they've been working hard for. They get the, the dream job they've had their eye on. And you know, other people, it's, you know, I'm going to be happy when I finally get to retire and get to golf whenever I want or fish whenever I want or whatever it is. For others, true happiness is only going to be theirs when they get married. You know, they have been dreaming about getting married for years and years, and they're convinced that when they get there, then they'll be happy. Or that they say, you know, when I get kids, then I'll be happy. And other people, it's, you know, when the kids leave the house, then I'll be happy. You know, there's so many things, you know. It, it, when you move to a bigger house, or you go to a nicer neighborhood, or you get the sports car, or you go to, on a vacation you've been dreaming about for years, then you'll be happy. When I talk about some people throughout here, and they, I think it's so easy for you and I to believe that some people are, you know, way out there, but I would say that so many of us, we fall for this line of thinking ourselves. We're living in North America where materialism, it reigns. And we're constantly being told that happiness 
You know, it's just ours if we buy that new car that we see on the television commercial, or we go to Disneyland, or we win the lottery. I remember a commercial a long time ago was, was telling us that happiness is yelling bingo. Remember that one? And there's all these people, you know, they're cruising around in their luxury yacht or whatever. And we're meant to envy them and try to emulate them because after all, they have what we want. They have happiness. And yet, you know what? The funniest thing is that we know deep down that's not true. I mean, deep down we know that money doesn't buy you happiness because we have a pretty good sense that rich people aren't any happier than we are. Because, you know, we, we read the news and we, we hear about, you know, these rich, famous people struggling with things like depression and substance abuse. A little while ago, I read this quote. Can't get it quite right, but it's from Jim Carrey. He said, you know what, I wish everybody would just get to have what they've always dreamed of so that they would realize it's never enough. You know, deep down, we've, we've got this void within us. We're trying to get happiness. But holding on to happiness is kind of like, you know, trying to grab a fistful of sand and squeeze it so tightly and hold on to it just, just to find that the sand slips through your fingers just like that. So, the American Constitution might be right. We have the right to pursue happiness. But the trouble is, for so many of us, that is all that it is. It's just this never-ending pursuit. Which, of course, leaves us even more desperate for it. And that desperation for happiness turns happiness into an idol. It's, it's the greatest good for so many people. It's the most important thing. So that you know, you can't question anything that makes somebody happy. Remember that Cheryl Crow song that came out a while ago? So annoying. Uh, but it said, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. What a horrible song. The worst thing about it was that it was played everywhere. I mean, you couldn't get away from it. You, know, you go to the shopping mart, it was, it was there. You go to the dentist's office, you can't move in the dentist's office. It's there. And it's there because, I think, you know, it resonates with people so much. More than enough people want to say, look, don't judge me on the basis of what I do on a Friday night. Or don't tell me that the affair I'm in is, is wrong. Don't question my sexuality and my choices. Don't make me feel guilty for spending nearly all my money on myself. Because if it makes me happy, it can't be that bad. As though our happiness is the only thing that really matters. I mean, just how many people bow to the idol of happiness? Even people in church, they'll try to rationalize their actions. You know, they'll say to you, like, you might call it wrong, but I don't see how it's a problem. After all, God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? And that's supposed to be the clincher in the argument. God wants me to be happy, as though that is God's number one objective for us. 
But that's not really true at all. You know, I would say that God's greatest goal isn't for us to be happy and give us everything that we want. That's our understanding of happiness. His greatest objective would be for us to be holy. That's more of what he's after. You and me to be holy. But then that's not to say that we can now forget all about happiness. Because actually happiness is a theme that just keeps on popping up in the Bible. Just look at what we read this morning in Psalm 1. What's the first word of the psalm? you got your Bibles open, you can see it. You turn to the NIV and what does it say? It says, bless, right? But if you really listen to me when I was reading the text, you heard me say, happy. And you probably thought, oh, Pastor Henry's just messing up again. But I said that because that's what the Hebrew really says. That's how it was written. It says, "Mm, happy. Happy is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. And then the next line hinges on this same word. So it's, happy is the one who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And happy is the one who doesn't sit in the seat of mockers. The writer keeps on coming back to this one word because that's what the psalm is really all about. It's all about happiness. And it's not even just Psalm 1 that's about happiness either. This one word here is is not just opening this one psalm. It's opening the whole book of psalms. Um, and, it, and it stands there to tell you and me what all the psalms are ultimately all about. They're all about happiness. Um, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, let me find my spot. What, what the psalms want to show us, particularly this Psalm 1, is that God's idea of happiness is so radically different than our idea of happiness. You know, we so often, we look at other people who, you know, they, they look like it, they have it all. And we figure that they are some of the happiest people in the world. And, you know, we figure if, if we want to be happy, then we got to be like them. And we got to do whatever's necessary to get a hold of some of that happiness. But what the Psalms are telling us is that the real way to find happiness in life is not to follow everybody else. But the real way to find happiness is to follow the law of God. Now, I know to some people that doesn't sound right. Because you hear the word law, and you think of strict, unbending rules. You think cold, harsh regulations. And you hear the psalmist saying that happy is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And you wonder how in the world anybody could be happy, delighting in law. How could law ever fill your heart with delight? Doesn't make sense. But what if there's another word that could help us in this? The the Hebrew word here that he uses is Torah. We often translate that law. But it can also be translated as 
instruction. And if we thought of it in that light, then I think we'd probably have a better idea what Torah really means. Because it's not like, you know, God's up in heaven and he's just dreaming of a wonderful way to make life more burdensome and oppressive for his people, just to give them all these arbitrary rules so that they can't have any fun whatsoever in life. Now, God gave Torah for the benefit of his people. Because he's not some cruel, malicious God. He's a God who wants what's best for you and me. So he's trying to teach us the best way to live. And of course, he ought to know the best way to live because he created you. And he created this world. And, this, and, and he ordered it just so. And this instruction of his reflects that order of his world perfectly. And that's why it makes sense. Like, it ought to make perfect sense to you and me that we shouldn't go around lying to people. It makes sense that we shouldn't go around stealing. And it makes sense we shouldn't kill. We shouldn't get rip-roaring drunk. We shouldn't have sex with whoever we want. Because if we go that route, we will make a mess of our lives. And we'll make a mess of other people's lives. And we've probably even done that a few times. We've gone against God's instructions, and we've made a mess of things. It's because that's what sin does. Sin will ruin your life. I mean, if you, if you keep standing in the way of sinners, and you keep sitting in the seat of, of uh, mockers, and you keep listening to the counsel of the wicked, you will find that sin keeps eating away at you. So that you become just this mere shell of the person God created you to be. You become like this chaff that Psalm 1 is talking about. You know, the shell around a kernel of grain. The wind just blows away. If you don't follow the law, that's what becomes of you. You're like nothing at all. You're here today, gone tomorrow. That's not the way to live a truly happy life. Sure, it might even seem happy for a while, but it'll never last. The only way for you and me to find true and lasting happiness is to push sin away from you as far as you can and follow God's instruction. See, if you are in the pursuit of happiness, and I have no doubt that you are, then you ought to pursue holiness with everything you have because what Psalm 1 is saying is when you are holy then you're happy and that's the secret right there it's so simple you want to be happy be holy that's how you're like this tree Psalm 1 is talking about it's Planted by streams of water, it's strong and sure, it never withers, it's always bearing fruit. If you want to be like that, if you want to thrive in life, then the secret is found in holiness. That's how you are happy. Now, I could stop right there. You know, I, I, could, I could tell you all just to go out and be holy. 
Give it all you've got. But there's just one problem with that. I mean, who among us is holy enough to be happy? I don't even just mean a little bit happy, because that's not the happiness that we're after, right? We want to be so abundantly happy that happiness is, you know, coming out of our pores. But who, not, who among us is holy enough to have that kind of happiness? Who among us doesn't find ourselves straying onto the way of sinners, even every day? Who among us doesn't find ourselves sometimes listening to the counsel of the wicked, or even sitting with mockers? Can anybody here say that they delight in the law of the Lord always? And they're always meditating on it day and night. They're just in the word always. I don't think anybody can. That's the truth. So, so what then, right? Listening to the psalmist, that's what our holiness hinges upon. So that's the case, that means we're never really going to get a hold of, of happiness. At least not on our own. And yet, thankfully, there was a man who did this. There was one man who did delight in the law of the Lord. There was a man who meditated on it day and night. And who actually came from heaven to fulfill that law with his own perfect righteousness. There was one man who never walked in the way of the wicked, who never stood in the way of sinners, who never sat in the seat of mockers, even though he did welcome these kind of people to him all the time. That man invited unworthy sinners to come to himself, sinners like you and me. And thanks be to God, he still does that today. Because if that weren't the case, we would have no hope for happiness. But the one who invites us to come to him is the one who came to this earth. The one who came to die for us. That if we would believe in him, his perfect righteousness, the righteousness of Christ would be imputed to us. You know, basically, it, it would be... Um, as if it was ours all along, just comes on us. So that if we believe in Christ, we become spotless, we become holy. And remember what Psalm 1 is saying. Psalm 1 is saying, that's the way to be happy. See, that is our one true hope for happiness in life. And that happiness, that holiness, it comes to us as a gift from God. I mean, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You receive it. It's a gift from God. And the wonderful thing is that that gift, it can never, ever be taken away from you. And because of that gift, you can be happy in every situation. Now, that doesn't mean that life is always going to be, you know, easy and you're, you're always going to be sunshine and lollipops. 
But that happiness, it doesn't depend on your circumstances. Which is so important because life can be hard. And many of us, we've experienced that very thing. Life can be so hard. If you haven't experienced it, you will. Life's hard. But it doesn't have to devastate you. And it doesn't have to rob you of your happiness. Because if you believe in Jesus, your life is rooted in something greater than yourself. Your life is bigger than your health. Your life is bigger than your financial circumstances. Your, your life is, is bigger than your job. It's bigger than your marriage. It's bigger than your family. It's bigger than your friendship. Because if you're a Christian, your life is rooted in Jesus. And that means nothing, nothing could ever take you from his love. And nothing could ever take his presence from you. His spirit is with you now, always through life. And nothing can take you from this glorious future he's promised you. He's promised you one day a life without sin, without trouble, without hardship. A life that is filled with glory. A life that is filled with peace and beauty and joy. This is a life where you are going to experience such rich and everlasting happiness. And it's because you have all that 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 happiness can start working its way into your life right now. No matter your circumstances. Or maybe even especially through your circumstances. Because just like the stars shine brightest on the darkest of nights. So it is rich promises of God, they shine brightest in our hardest moments. In our hardest moments, that is when it becomes so crystal clear that Christ really is our greatest reward. That Jesus is our highest hope. He's the source of all our happiness. The people of God, I'm pleading with you this morning not to pursue happiness in all the usual places, all the wrong places. May you pursue Christ instead. May you pursue Christ with all your heart. Because then, Along with him, you will find your true and lasting happiness, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, this morning our prayer is that you would help us to fight against all the lies that we're told, that in more things, that's where our happiness is found. Lord, our prayer is that you would help us to hear your word. And you would help us to know that it's in holiness. And it's in the holiness that we have through Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would pursue not other things, but we would pursue you. 
And in finding you, we would find our soul's greatest delight. Lord, fill us with joy every day so that other people might see our joy and see you in us. In Christ we pray. Amen.